an expert explains 14, a short lesson for self-insured employers. Dr. Doug Eby gives some advice that everybody should hear who is interested in improving outcomes and lowering costs. Relentlessly seeking value. Have you never heard of the NUCA system of care? If that's the case, it is an award-winning and really remarkable health system in Alaska. In this five-minute, an expert explains, Dr. Douglas Eby, medical director over at NUCA, gets directly to the point. A key component to making sure that the people slash customers in your plan get the best care is to make sure that they have access to a team of providers who know them well enough to have earned their patient consumer's trust. Both the trust and the access part of that last sentence are important. Both are needed in spades to reduce downstream costs. The access part might be a little counterintuitive and has a disclaimer or two that Dr. Eby articulates. But yep, when you restrict access, what winds up happening is that people demand more when they finally get seen. They want their money's worth, so to speak, and will nab any lab diagnostic or expensive follow-up they can get while they're there since they may never have the opportunity or the money or the time to arrange being seen again, or at least how it might feel to them at the time. Circling around to trust, listening to Dr. Eby talk, it makes me even more frustrated by providers who regard shared decision-making endeavors or building trust with patients as a waste of time unless they're getting paid for it directly somehow. If a patient isn't going to do anything you tell them to do because they don't trust you, and if they have to do what you tell them to do to get the outcomes that, you know, they probably should be getting, then it's a bigger contemplation for providers and provider organizations than whether there's a billing code for that. For provider organizations trying to create the best patient outcomes for their patients, that is. If you're an employer and you recognize the criticality of access and trust, select your network accordingly, would be my advice. Dr. Douglas Eby, MD, MPH, CPE, is the Physician Executive VP of Medical Services at the South Central Foundation NUCA System of Care. This, an expert explains, sums up Dr. Eby's advice for employers, but if you haven't listened to it yet, when you're done with this mini-sode, you might want to go back to the main episode I just did with Dr. Eby that gets into the how to provide effective healthcare from the provider organization, clinician, and kind of community standpoint. This mini-sode excerpt is sponsored by Aventria Health Group. Would your approach be good for, say, like a large employer to implement? Because we do have a lot of large employers and small ones and benefit consultants who listen to this show. Is there any lessons in here for them? Yeah, employer, employer owned or employer led or employer financed healthcare is where we get some of our best traction because the employer is the total cost provider. The people who don't like us are people who are trying to make profits in hospitals and specialists and pharmaceuticals and, you know, extremely high use of high end medicine. Employers don't want that. That drives their bills up. So employers love us. And some of the best examples of applying our thinking and methodology are employers who run on-site clinics. Part of the mantra we say is that healthcare for chronic disease management should be provided when, where, and how the person on the receiving side wants and needs it. 
Medicine's set up around our convenience. You must come to our institution on our terms and follow our rituals in order for us to then tell you what to do. And then once you leave our presence, we judge you as compliant or not compliant in our arrogant, paternalistic, judgmental way. It's ridiculous. So if you're an employer and you can provide extremely convenient, always available phone, text, email, and on-site capability, and then pull expertise into that platform, you save on labs, x-rays, pharmaceuticals, and specialty costs and hospital costs, all of which cost the employer a ton of money. So yeah, employer-based healthcare, that that is the best situation within which our principles can be applied. It kind of bucks conventional wisdom to a certain extent, which says that if you increase access, you increase costs. And it sounds like your experience and 30 years of data has borne this out, that it's almost the opposite. Well, so let's talk about that. If you've had a system for years and years that suppresses access as a way to control cost, and then you open it up, yes, you're going to get a year or two of pent-up demand that you weren't addressing previously. So yes, at first, costs will go up. But once you gain trust and people know each other and have trust and trust that they'll get the complexity support that they need, then the demand drops. So if you've been blocking me getting to you and now you let me get to you, I'm going to get to you a lot and drive up cost. But once you know me and I know you, and I know that I can do a phone call today, but if I need to see you, I can see you tomorrow, right? So the usual medical system is I have to call a provider who doesn't really know me and I make an appointment and then I go to their location. I have to take off of work, I have to drive across town, then I sit in their waiting room. It takes at least a half a day away from work. So I have invested time away from work transportation, and waiting in large amounts before I ever see the provider. So then when I see the provider, I've got a massive amount of investment in this conversation. So they better damn well give me lots of tests, lots of pharmaceuticals, and lots of referrals to experts because I've invested a ton in that visit. Whereas if I can just text them with a question, it takes, I don't have to leave work. It takes almost no of my none of my time. And then I'm willing to accept, try this, try this. And if that doesn't work, get a hold of me tomorrow. And I'm okay with that because I've invested almost nothing in the interaction. And so I'm okay getting a small intervention back because I know if that doesn't work, tomorrow I can get another intervention. And the day after that, if we're still not making progress, I can be seen same day guaranteed. So my demand for you need to give me a bunch of labs and x-rays and pharmaceuticals and specialty referrals goes way, way, way down because I've not invested this massive investment in just getting to see you. We drive up demand. People think demand is driven by all this, you know, legal paranoia and unrealistic demand by the consumer, driven by all the advertising on TV. And some of that is true. But when you replace all of that by trust and personal connectivity and knowing the person on a first name basis, that's a massive replacement for all of that other stuff that's really artificially driven because of a lack of trust, knowledge, and expertise in the person I'm connecting to, when, where, and how I need to connect to them. Hopefully that all makes sense. Links to everything discussed on the program today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. If you visit the website, RelentlessHealthValue.com, you will also find a complete listing of 
all of the shows that we have published thus far with leading entrepreneurs and executives in the healthcare space today. Another cool feature is, you know, you can subscribe to the show so that every week the episode is automatically sent to you so you don't have to remember to go to the website to download it. Thanks so much for listening.